0: Welcome back to a, another study of our long study through the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer with Tom, uh, Thomas Watson from his book, The Lord's Prayer. And uh, if you're all enjoying it and you want to later, I think we have at least one more copy. Yeah, we do have at least one more copy in our library, uh, but this will go back pretty soon also when we're finished Um I, since we have a, a few visitors regulars for for the Lord's day um, or other times but not usually here on Wednesday I want to give a little bit of a review of what we're studying to give you a little uh, context. Um, so I want to remind everyone that the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer it's the last petition before for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever and so the sixth petition comes from uh, when Jesus teaches us how to pray Matthew 613. And it, the petition is this: and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we spend a long time in the first part of the study on lead us not into temptation. And now we've been in the second part of the study, which is briefer but still pretty meaty. Deliver us and uh, but deliver us from evil. Uh, another prayer we've looked at, for sake of time this evening, I, I won't have us turn there. But we looked at the prayer of Jabez several times, First Chronicle four verses nine through ten. It's just this amazing nugget that comes in the midst of eight chapters of chronic, of a chronology of God's people throughout history. So and so begat so and so begat so and so, and then there's there's this little window that talks about Jabez. And his prayers and how God heard and answered his prayers. And uh, it's very, very similar to the Lord's Prayer. We looked at that, including his last petition is deliver me from evil. But he adds also that it wouldn't grieve me. So he recognizes it isn't only for God's glory. It's also for our own good that we would ask God to deliver us from evil. Uh, So that's uh, where we started. And we've been in the study now for a while on deliver us from evil. Um, And I've worked through the rest of this chapter, this section, and it's the end of the book. And I estimate we have five more studies, including tonight. So a little more than I thought but I think it's going to be good to break it up. A few of the studies will be longer. Tonight's will probably be the shortest, but I've learned not to say I think it'll be short because then it's almost always doomed to be long. <laughs> you cannot you cannot anticipate the divine dynamic and, and, and the involvement. I always sound like I'm blaming you all when you have great questions and comments. Uh, don't mean to throw you under the bus. But it should be, regardless, probably the shorter study. And we're going into new sections. So the last thing we looked at, Uh, previously was his study of the sins of Christians are worse than the sins of the wicked. And I won't review all the reasons why. We looked at the larger catechism as well. Some sins are more heinous. Um, That's where we left off last time. And now we're going to get into what he says is a special sense of what we mean when we pray, deliver us from evil. So a special sense, and there's going to be three aspects, really four. He only kind of touches on three, and we're we're not going to go over them all tonight. But since he he refers to a special sense, I'm going to go back to uh, earlier when he's talking about deliver us from evil, a general sense, okay? So he says, in general, this is what we have been studying, and deliver us from evil. Generally, what we are praying is, we pray to be delivered from the evil of sin. And remember we he brought us through a lot of things to demonstrate to us how evil sin is. So we would be really motivated to pray, yes, please. Don't let me be tempted to sin, but if you allow the temptation, please deliver me from actually giving into it and sinning. And I won't review all that we did. If I do, they'd take all night and a couple of nights. <laughs> but in general we're praying, deliver us from the evil of sin. Sin itself, our own sinning. Okay, But now we're going to get into the special sense, deliver us from evil. And he says there's three special senses of what we mean. And uh, I'll list them for you as he does, and we're going to study only the first one tonight. Number one, we pray that, he would, that God would deliver us from the evil of our heart, which is called an evil heart in Hebrews 3, uh, verse 12. So, and that's what we'll be looking at tonight. In a special sense, we pray, deliver us from the evil of our own heart. Now, you might recall, this is going to feel familiar. There's a lot of overlap. When we were studying, let us, uh, lead us not into temptation, we learned that what are the two great sources of sin, or temptation, that is, outwardly the devil, but inwardly our own heart, okay, our, our sinful, depraved uh, heart. So there is some review here in a sense. The second thing we pray in a special sense deliver us from evil is deliver us from the evil of Satan who is called the wicked one in Matthew 13:19. Now again, we have spent a lot of time studying Satan, our our enemy, because he's trying to tempt us. So we've looked at a lot about Satan, and that will be review as well. But when we're saying, deliver us from evil, we're praying that God delivers us not only from our own evil sinning, sinning that is evil itself, but our own evil heart, because that's really where all sin comes from, right? We've looked at that. Jesus says in Matthew... But then also deliver us from Satan who wants to get us to sin. And so there relates again that idea of temptation because he can't make us sin and he doesn't sin for us. But he's right there to keep, yep, do it, do it, do it, (laughs) you know. And then third, the third special sense that we will study uh, from the evil of the world, which is called an evil world. Galatians 1 verse 4 this world is called evil remember Jesus says that we are in the world but not of it all right and we're gonna look at a lot especially um, the study tonight the evil of our heart isn't too long uh, the study about Satan actually the next time is not that long either probably because all that's already been said about temptation with Satan the third part of the study is about delivering us from this wicked world. And it's not that we haven't touched on that, but he's going to go into a lot of detail. We may need to split it up a few times. Uh, and then there are some closing things we'll, we'll, we'll give ourselves to. So I expect to have, including tonight, five more weeks. But now we are studying the special sense, deliver us from evil. That is, deliver us from our own evil hearts. Once again, remember, generally we're praying, deliver us from the evil of sin itself. But then specifically, specially, deliver us from our own evil hearts, deliver us from Satan, and deliver us from this evil world and all of its influence uh, to get us to sin and give us, give us free reign to sin, okay? Um, so tonight, what we're studying is the petition, deliver us from evil in terms of specifically, specially being delivered from the evil of our own heart. To be delivered from the evil of our own heart. Now, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir, but it strikes me as I say that I don't think a lot of the world really believes we have a problem with our heart. We think we're basically good, right? As you know, we've said many times, we go out, we do door-to-door evangelism. And what do most people tell us? Ah, you know, God loves me. God's fine with me. God just wants me to be happy. I'm basically good. We're all basically good. but That's the opposite of what the Bible teaches us. We have an evil heart. We're born in sin. We are conceived in sin. Not the conceiving action, but the fact of being conceived to parents who come from Adam and Eve in the fall. We are all born evil, corrupt, guilty. And that is the predicament we're dealing with. And then, of course, even after we are saved, we are still fighting our old man, right? Paul speaks regularly, especially in Ephesians and Colossians, a little bit in Romans, about killing our old man. And putting on our new man. But there is always that evil man that we're only delivered from at death when we go to heaven. Or if Christ comes back into the new heavens and the new earth. So this is our predicament until heaven. We need to be praying regularly. Lord, deliver me from myself. Deliver me from my own evil inclinations. My own evil, wicked desires that come very naturally to me. And it's very hard to combat them with my new man. Because it's supernatural. And I need all your help. Because the good holy things do not come naturally to me. What does Paul say in Romans 7? The evil I don't want to do, I do. And the good I want to do, I don't do. Who will rescue me from this body of sin? And he says, thanks be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then goes into chapter 8, the glorious uh, chapter, to assure us and encourage us. But still, we can relate with Paul, right? We can relate with the wrestling with the old man. And so we need to pray, Lord, uh, deliver me from my own evil heart. And frankly, that's where it really all starts. Because Satan can't make us sin. We only can choose to let him lead us into sin. But when we sin, it's something we choose. It's something we do. Uh, It might be kind of a spur of the moment. We think we're, you know, just reacting and we haven't thought. But no, we are always making a choice. It's something we do. We do. Something we say. It's something we think. Or something we don't do that we should. Or something we don't say that we should. Right? Not thinking about things the way we should. I mean, how many times do you have the experience, I'm sure you can relate, where you're trying to pray, and the next thing you know, wait a minute, that was five minutes ago, I stopped praying, what happened? Or, the very moment you're trying to pray about something you are asking God to deliver you from, you start thinking about it, and it takes over the thoughts. And then you say, God, forgive me. How much do we need to pray, deliver me from my own evil heart? Okay, he says this, The heart is the poisoned fountain. From whence all actual sins flow. The heart is the fountain. It's not really from outside. There are those evil influences of Satan in the world. But it's, we don't need any help sitting. It's natural for us, right? So we always got to pray more than anything. Work on my own heart. Um, I'm going to, since it should be brief for tonight, and it's always good to look directly. Let's look at some of these scriptures. Turn with me to uh, Mark chapter 7. And actually, I intended to read um, a little bit of an intro from this other supplemental book I'm using. I'm going to do that in a moment before we go too far. But since I've started and interrupted my own thinking and flow, (laughs) I'll try not to uh, interrupt your experience of it. But uh, I'm mostly saying that out loud so I don't forget. Um, Mark chapter 7 and uh, verse 21. Okay, sorry, one second here. Mark 7, verse 21, I gotta, okay. For from within, this is Jesus, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders. And then in the verse 22, I'm gonna mark that in the book here for reference. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And defile a man. So I'm going to actually make you go to verse 23. Jesus is emphasizing, you know, in contrary, they're saying, you know, they're always talking about, like, why don't you wash your hands before you eat in a ceremonial way that isn't required of God, but they've made it a rule or this or that. And he says, don't you understand? It's from within that a man is filthy, ceremonially, religiously before the Lord. Again, this is not arguing we shouldn't wash and clean. Please don't all of you come in here on Wednesday night. Having, uh, you know, been doing lots of work and sweating and getting dirty and not take a shower first, right? We would all probably be like, whoo, can you hurry up, pastor? We gotta get out of there. Oh, crack open the windows, you know? It's not arguing not to be clean. We know, uh, modern um, medicine, that germs can be a problem. It's not saying we shouldn't clean. Jesus was dealing with these issues of they're arguing. Why don't your disciples, you know, do the rituals of men? And Jesus is saying, you are dealing with outward stuff insignificant stuff as it relates to being right with God what you need to be concerned with is where the real filth comes and what really makes you filthy before the Lord sin in your heart and then you know let's look at the specific things he lists you want to know what really makes you dirty by the way it's interesting how we might be way more concerned about outward cleanliness and not worry about this stuff what does he say really makes you dirty Evil thoughts, adulteries. Of course, Christ says elsewhere, looking at a woman, uh, 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 looking at a woman lustfully is adultery. Right. Let's remember that. Uh, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, evil things. These things come from a man. Um, Fornications, murders. Excuse me, I skipped over the verse. Of course, murder, what does Jesus say? Uh, Having anger at someone without a cause, unjust anger, that's also murder, right? Uh, and of course, they don't want to hear that. They're looking at ways to excuse themselves as if there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, covetousness, theft, stealing, wickedness, deceit, lying, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these things. That's what makes you filthy before God. And where does that come? It doesn't come from outside of you. The fountain, it's just right that your heart pumps it. It comes from you inside, naturally, from the day you were conceived. And that's where you need to be cleansed. And the only way to be cleansed from that is Jesus and his blood applied by the Holy Spirit making us born again. Letting his waters of life come from up within us. Okay? So recognize that um, evil heart is the reality that we're dealing with. And again, even after we're saved, as he will uh, address, it's still the issue we have the old man within us. He's, he, uh, he references James 1.14. I'll quote that for you. Every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, remember, we looked at that a lot earlier in the study of temptation. First, where does temptation come from? Outside, from Satan in the world, and also from within. Our own lusts from within, James 1.14. Of course, there, James is arguing, God doesn't tempt us. We tempt ourselves. It's interesting, I recall Thomas Watson in this study earlier a few times, I think has said, melancholy tempts Satan to tempt us. <laughs> Sometimes we tempt Satan. Come on, please, yeah, go ahead. I'm waiting for you to tempt me because I want to do it. Right, you know, I want to feel sorry for myself and then allow myself to do the things I shouldn't because I feel sorry and I want to feel better temporarily. Yes, Isaac, real quick. So, you know. Hold on, can we get the mic to you? Because that way it'll come up on the recording. I have a bad habit of not doing that, and then nobody will hear the question that I'm answering. Go ahead, buddy. So turn it turn it this way so it faces your lips, please. Otherwise, it doesn't. There you like go. This? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the IEW thing that we're doing yeah your English class in the story uh huh. the story is like around the end uh, the patriots mm. they were actually you know they were tempting the British people to like shoot them and like do that stuff to them so then they can do the work kind of like the stuff <clears throat> that you were just talking about oh yeah attempting to yeah i can see the connection you're making he's learning about the boston massacre this week and having to write a paper about it and um yeah there was uh, and i remember when we went to boston we attended uh one of the presentations that happened and you know they were really egging and setting up the british soldiers to shoot them Uh, they wanted it they wanted the revolution and uh yeah it's interesting how paul revere actually sent out propaganda about that, that really wasn't accurate as far as I recall. Um, really, we're setting it up, yeah. And, and and that's the thing, we are kind of setting up, uh, so often we're setting up ourselves to sin, we're asking Satan to help us sin. It's just within us, it's in our own lust. We want to entice ourselves, that's natural for us. When we are drawn away, it isn't anyone but ourselves that's letting it happen, Right? Okay, there are some some illustrations he's going to give. I'm going to try to wait on him. jumping ahead. It might be next week, but uh, uh, we'll get back to that as it relates to Satan. But he writes this, The devil could not hurt us if our own hearts did not give consent. Now, similarly, as much as the British, it was a pretty difficult predicament. They might have tried to figure out a way to get away from what was happening um, that escalated. Uh, you know, we, we've learned a lot about walking away, right? And walking away from a fight. It takes two to have a fight. And um, uh, we don't have to give consent. The only reason we sin is because we say to the devil, okay. And then we do it. If we don't give consent, we won't sin. Satan, we can't blame Satan. Everybody likes to say, Satan made me do it. No, he didn't. Oh, he's tempting you to do it, but you made you do it. And the sooner we really deal with that, the sooner we can try to get God to help us stop by praying, deliver me from evil, that is, deliver me from the evil of my own heart. Because we do the same thing that Eve and Adam did in the garden. The blame game we never want to take responsibility for ourselves. We always want to try to even if it is we kind of sort of yeah, but you got to understand the situation. Yeah, but you know, by the way, it comes to my head a lot now with toddlers, right? you know. But you have to they did it first. You have to yeah, well that's what we do too. We're just more sophisticated about it, right? And we laugh, but the truth is that's what we do. We we try to justify our sins. But the truth is We are the ones responsible for our sins, and that's coming from out of us. It's the fountain of sin. All that he can do, he writes, all that Satan can do, is to lay the bait. But it is our fault to swallow it. Now, I really want to go to a a story about Joel Beakey, and when he caught this big fish, and they were all surprised. He caught this big walleye with a worm. They don't bite that. And I'm kind of giving it to you, now. I says, yeah, it's just... For whatever reason, he just gave himself, first time he ever caught this huge fish, they couldn't believe it. And that's how we can be, like, I can't believe I bid on that. But Satan is there angling, and we're going to we're gonna hear about that in the next time, how he's fishing for us. And we've heard about it before, but we are the ones who bite the bait, right? And in our case, we see the hook. We choose to focus on the bait, but the hook is there. We know it. And frankly, sometimes you can catch a fish with no bait. The hook's enough. Oh, the shiny, oh, God. I mean, come on. And then we look as ridiculous as that fish that's been hooked and dragged out of water. right? Flopping around. What am I doing here? Right. And then when we go back in, we've got the holes in our mouth and, and, uh, or through the eye. You know, whatever happens sometimes, the damage that is done. He lays the bait, but it's our fault that we swallow it. Because of the evil of our own hearts. So, beloved, I want to ask you to turn to a couple scriptures with me here. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 8, to begin with. Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 5, verse 8. Now, this is in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And they begin with the blesseds, right? The Beatitudes. And uh, this is verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. The more that the Lord purifies our heart, the more we'll see God. The more that the Lord cleans, cleanses our heart so that we don't bite the bait because we want it. We so naturally desire it. But the Lord would make us less and less desire, sin, remembering what we've learned recently, how evil it is, how disgusting. It's called filth, remember, in the scriptures. And we would see it at that. And uh, turn with me to Acts 15, right after the Gospel of John, the book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 9. Let me go ahead and, uh, let me start with verse 6 just to lead into it for a little context, but verse 9 is what we're thinking of. Verse 6, Matthew 15, verse 6, what? No, after the Gospel of John is the book of Acts. Uh, Chapter 15, I'm going to start with verse 6, but verse 9 is where we'll end and look at. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the Gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So the just shall live by faith, the scripture says. We're justified by faith alone. Uh, We have to have faith or God is not pleased with us. And yet it is his gift, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 8. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Right? But uh, notice, what does it do? What does God do in us? What do we need? The purifying of our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Notice, by by seeing that also, Peter is saying, just like we Jews, God is now bringing the Gentiles into the church. That's what would happen when the Messiah Christ has come. And how is anyone brought to Christ? By the Holy Spirit. Notice, God giving the Holy Spirit so that he regenerates us so that we do believe and are saved. And that is the beginning, not only of definitive sanctification, making us positionally holy before God, but a renovation in us, a continual conversion and change of us that we are more and more going through progressive sanctification, cleansing and renewing our hearts. Notice the purifying of our hearts. Jesus says the pure of heart shall see God. And we need the Holy Spirit of God to make that happen. But notice, what is the idea again? Purity. We're we're reading Leviticus through uh, in our Old Testament readings in the morning services now, right? And what is Leviticus about? Cleansing. Washing. Ceremonially so, but the sacrifices, the blood offerings, all these things to give us atonement, to wash us of our sins. And so John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world washing, the cleansing with his blood. We recognize how filthy our hearts are and how much we need our hearts to be cleansed. So I want to ask you to turn with me also to Psalm 51. We've, we've been there many times. Psalm 51 verse 10. Now remember this psalm by its own, uh, uh, excuse me, its own title explains the context. Uh, when you have that th- kind of a thing in the Bible, it's actually the original Hebrew. And it tells us that Na- David wrote this psalm after he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, sent by God to cause him to repent for his guilt of adultery with Bathsheba and covering up with the murder, the setting up of the murder uh, of her husband Uriah. And he repents. The psalm is his psalm of repentance. And notice what he knows is the real issue. Well, verse 7 says, Purge me with Hishap, I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be white as snow. He knows that he needs to be cleansed. He needs to be washed. And notice in verse 5, he knows the real issue. I was shapen in iniquity, and instead did my mother conceive me. Like, from birth I've been dirty in my heart. From birth, from conception. I have been guilty and corrupt. And this is why. This is how it comes out. When I don't kill the old man and instead I let it grow. Or I ignore and start and and ignore the, the, the holy new man and growing him. And so then when he's been confronted about it. He says this and this should be our prayer. It should be especially our prayer. As we're praying deliver us from evil. Recognizing at the end of the day any temptation coming. The reason we will end up giving into it is because of our evil heart. The reason we'll end up biting the bait and choosing to commit the disgusting evil of sin is because of our own evil heart that wants to. So we need to be praying as we are praying and deliver me from evil. Deliver me from the evil of my own heart by saying Psalm 51 verse 10. Not only after the sin, but after before temptation create in me a clean heart oh God and renew a right spirit within me that's what we need to be praying proactively not only reactively but of course we do pray it afterwards as well he says this Thomas Watson says this oh let us pray to be delivered from the lusts and deceits of our own heart deliver us from evil. He says, Luther, Martin Luther, the great reformer. And uh, you can remember he had some real fights with Satan. <laughs> and um, you can read about a lot of them. Uh, I did an article about how he handles Satan. I mean, we, you can look that up on the Alliance uh, articles online. But he, he he was well aware of Satan. And uh, constantly in battle with him. And you can imagine how Satan would attack him, especially because God's going to use him for a major reformation, right? And Luther, he says, Luther feared his heart more than the pope or cardinal. Well, remember, they wanted to kill him, and they were trying to kill him, right? The reason that he's abducted uh, by his own... um, Protestant developing Protestant uh, prince of his areas because they knew he probably wouldn't make it home alive after the Diet of Worms, right? Uh, th- there was a good reason to fear the Pope <laughs> because what did the Pope and the Catholic Church do to the Reformers often? They, ex-cu- they, they didn't just excommunicate them, they executed them, <laughs> right? And so there's a re- but Luther feared way more than them, his own heart. And he writes, It was Augustine's prayer, Lord, deliver me from myself. I have to say, beloved, I'm convicted as I say those words. I don't think I say something like that nearly enough. Do you? This is where we have to start. Before we review Satan, before we review the world, the only reason that Satan or the world has any influence that does something to us is because we let it. We do it. We let it in and we respond. Deliver me from myself. Lord, deliver me from the evil of my heart. I have to say, beloved, that's what people ought to be praying in the churches today. And that's what those who claim to be Christians ought to be praying. Rather than a lot of other things they're praying for in our nation. Because if it doesn't start there, everything else will end up being a curse upon us. Whatever we want to label it. He writes this the heart of a man is the Trojan horse out of which comes a whole army of lusts. You recall the Trojan horse story? The Grecian Trojan horse story, you all know the story? Well, they, they bring this Trojan horse and this big, huge horse built out of wood. They they can't get in. They can't break through the wall of the city of their enemies. So they wheel up this Horse, This big, huge wooden horse, as if it's a gift or something. They leave it outside at night. And those on the inside are like, hmm. (laughs) And they foolishly open their doors. And they bring that big old wooden horse inside the gates and shut the gates. And then what happens the next night? Well, all of the soldiers who were hiding inside that wooden horse... I say wouldn't I think uh open it up and come out and attack. And he says, "The heart of a man is the Trojan horse, out of which comes a whole army of lusts." Our heart inside us is already the problem. It's the biggest need we need to pray. Deliver me from myself. Create in me a clean heart. Kill my old man. Help my new man grow. Mortify my heart. Vivify my soul. And if we're not really starting there with our prayers, we are already lost. We've already lost. The Trojan horse is already in. The troops are already in to kill. They're already there. And we got to pray, Lord, kill that before I worry about Satan or I worry about the world because that is the problem. And we are so happy to point our fingers elsewhere and blame everyone for why we sin. But we sin because we like it, because we love it, because we love to lick the filth of trespasses and iniquities against our holy God. It is our old nature. And what does the proverb say? When we keep going back to sin, it's like a dog that keeps going back to lick its own vomit. And we do it. Why do we do it? Because it's our nature. Before we read a couple other scriptures, you know the story. Similarly, of, uh, I think it's the frog that hitches a ride on the back of a scorpion. No, no, no. I got it backwards. <laughs> the scorpion hitches a ride on the back of a frog across the pond. But it takes a while for the frog, I don't know, I, how do I know you're not going to kill me on the way over? How do I know you're not going to strike me dead? No, I won't. I won't. Please, I just need to get to the other side. Let me ride under. I don't know. How do I know you're not going to strike me? And uh, finally, the scorpion convinces the frog to give him a, a back ride across the pond. And on the way there, the scorpion strikes him. And as he's dying, why did you do that? And the scorpion's answer is, because I'm a scorpion. It's who I am. It's what's in me. And it's what I do, because we do what's in us, Right? Now, we need to remember we're no longer that person, but we have to recognize until we are in heaven or the new heavens and the new earth, that's still in there. We have not been perfectly sanctified. We have been perfectly justified in the act of it. We have been perfectly adopted in the act of it, but sanctification is a work. It's a process. We are not perfect in this life, and we are always perfect. Always in danger because of the Trojan horde of our heart within, with all the little lusts waiting to come out at night and scream yes to Satan and the world. Well, I'd like to turn to two other scriptures with you. Would you turn with me to Jeremiah in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah? Right after Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter 17. verse 9 and beloved we need to recognize again before we close and I have a few more things to share from this other book but just like I wanted to make sure we understood last week we are studying these things not to destroy ourselves and give up we are studying these things so that we pray deliver me from evil and especially deliver me from the evil of my heart and myself so that the Lord will answer that prayer which he wishes to because his will for the church is sanctification And he uses means, and one of the means of grace is prayer. And the Lord gives us the specific ideas and words to pray in the Lord's prayer and this sixth petition. So again, I don't. If if we go away, you know, dragging our 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 self on the ground and you know barely looking up and you know what was me I might as well give up then we're we're not remembering why we're here to study these things we study our enemies why so we conquer them we know how to beat them and as it is often said I have met my enemy and my enemy is myself right not really quoting that perfectly but that's it so we want to learn how to kill our old self and grow our new self in Christ that's the goal, because mortification has to happen before vivification can happen. It's not as if they're completely, you know, that easy to dissect and keep in order, but if we're trying to grow in holiness, but we don't kill our old heart, our old self, then, then it's the holiness can't be growing, okay? I want to recognize that. We're studying this so we know what the real biggest issue is that we're praying, so that we do pray it, and we are delivered from it, Right? Okay, keep that in mind. If you go out there and you just have a bad attitude and I'm going to just give up and I am hate my life and I'm not a Christian, come over here, I'm going to bonk you on the head. Okay, you're going to miss the whole point. Okay, all right, Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And uh, there's someone I think of immediately who has quoted that scripture so many times. And uh, my p- privilege of ministering here, once you ordained me, uh, for f- about going into the 14th year now, can you think of who it is? Our brother, Bruce Raglan. Let's not forget to be praying for him in the hospital right now. Yes, Isaac. Do you need the mic or is it short? Yeah. So, when in verse 9, when it says you can know it, yeah. Good question. It's the kind of thing, who can know it? Who can, tr- can we even trust our own hearts? You know, can we trust our motivations are pure? You know, can, we, can we trust uh, that we're going to even respond to the right things? Are, you know, the heart is deceitfully wicked itself. You know, Satan is the father of lives and the deceiver, but our own Trojan horse, horse is ready to say, yeah, that's the truth, when it isn't. You know, who can know it? Is, who can trust our own hearts? You know who can trust that others are being truthful with themselves? You know, a lot of times I found myself saying about certain people, "Well, you know, you can lie to me." Sometimes I do say this to people, (laughs) but the reality is, you just lie to yourself. If you really believe that, (laughs) you're just lying to yourself. I mean, you try to lie to me; I know what the truth is. You're just lying to yourself. We lie to ourselves. You know, we lie to ourselves. Okay, so that's an important scripture that does come up a lot. And I always think of Bruce Ragland. He's got that memorized. I'm sure he could quote it to you right now. And uh, I I believe he still could. Um, And that's an important scripture to look at with all these other ones to recognize, like Jesus says, that's our problem. And that's the main thing we need to pray about proactively, especially. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from the evil of my own heart. As described by Jeremiah... As, uh, oh, I lost it already, excuse me. Uh, deceitful, above all things, you know, more than anything else. And uh, desperately wicked. Notice the superlative way of spe- Not just a little bit, like desperately wicked, right? Above all things, desperately wicked. Who can even know it? Who can trust it? So Lord, even let me know when my heart's lying to me. And all those lusts that are pouring out of the Trojan horse within our little eyes Okay, once again, similar to Psalm 51.10, here's how we need to pray because we are studying how to pray and what it means to pray deliver us from evil. If we are tempted, we pray, we don't even have to face the temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Or as Christ tells us elsewhere, Lord, uh, he says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Lord, don't let temptation come to me. Don't let me come to temptation. But if it does happen... Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from giving into it. Deliver me from my heart's natural inclination to say, okay, I'll do it. Or no, I won't do it, depending on what we're talking about. Uh, when they should say yes. Sins of omission we saw a little while ago. But I want to turn with you, similar to Psalm 5110, and we've turned here so many times, but that's what we need to remember. We need to major on the majors, we need to go to the the main things, and we need need the repetition to help us because we are so quick to forget and so uninclined to say these words. uh, Turn with me, please, to Psalm 19. And uh, we often sing this psalm together. Psalm 19 verse 14 the close of the psalm let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O Lord my strength and my redeemer and how do we know what's acceptable in his sight his holy word Lord, help me hide your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. Psalm 119.11, remember, right? Let what I think about in my heart and what comes out of my heart and my mouth be your word. Speak your word in me against the words of Satan, against the words of the world, against the words of the little soldier lust in the Trojan horse of my heart. And similarly, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. This is what we are being taught to pray when we pray and deliver us from evil. And it always starts with the heart. You know, it occurs to me, uh, a lot of people like to do this, you know, do this little thing, you put your fingers together, make the little heart, right, you know, and sometimes, I think Chad and Rachel have done it a lot, right, with some of your wedding pictures and your day vision oh! That's so cute or you get it up there and the sun shines through you know but maybe what we also need to do is do this for ourselves and pray deliver me from my own heart and let the dirty dark wickedness of the reality of it hit us in the face and pray lord god please shine your light in there okay um i intended to read some things before not just after and these are brief um I want to read them to you. And I have a lot more I'm going to share with you later on with some of the other studies, especially related to Satan in the world. But uh, I've been reading to you just some nice things. I, I discovered the book on my shelves. The Alliance gave it to me when I was working with them. It's called Our Ancient Foe. It's edited by Ronald Cole. It's called Satan's History, Activity, and Ultimate Device. Demise. It's uh, printed by PNR Publishing. It's a bunch of dish- different lectures and articles by different men, uh, uh, from the alliance, For the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals with one of their uh, conferences, Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. This, this was the theme Our Ancient Foe Looking at Satan and Dealing with Him, okay? And so it's different authors. The one I want to read to you briefly here uh, now uh, is Roger Nicole. Uh, his article called Conflict with Evil. I'm just going to read a couple of things from him in closing. We are being renewed by the grace of God. By the way, he's talking about knowing our enemies so that we don't sin. And he points out human powers, he points out Satan in the world, but he first deals with ourselves. We're our own enemy, right? He says, We are being renewed by the grace of God, but in a gradual manner. And this is something people really do need to understand, and especially zealous people who are really jumping into the church and I'm never going to sin again. And we always try to warn them, Yes, you are. And you've really got to recognize if you act like this, when you sin, you're going to doubt your salvation and you're going to leave the church. and, And sure enough, that's what happens. They don't, because they're also depending on themselves too much when they should be doubting their own heart and turning to the Lord. So we got to recognize it's a gradual manner, but listen to this. Here's partly why it's pretty striking. All of us would die of shame, disgust, and fear in the presence of the gravity of evil within us. That's why God exposes it gradually. If we had to look at our, the truth of the evil in our hearts all at once, we'd die. He goes on to say this, And so, God is gracious to us, revealing our own evil to us only little by little. Sometimes I think we pray, Lord, just show it all and clean it all up right now, right? It would kill us. We couldn't handle it. When you imagine that you have finished with evil, that you have nothing wrong with you anymore, that you have reached perfection, you are on a very dangerous downward path. And of course, uh, Watson has talked about this earlier, about the different ways that Satan subtly tempts us. And a lot of times it's after a victory and a a mountaintop experience. Sometimes, boom, that's right when we give in. We we, we let our guard down. Uh, Roger Nicole next says this. He says, in fact, when people increase in conformity to Jesus Christ, their self-esteem tends to drop down. Well, that doesn't sound good, right? What is the whole world? Too many churches reflecting, uh, you know, psychiatry and modern uh, Freudian ways of looking at humanity. No, no, we need our self-esteem to go up. Well, actually, our self-esteem needs to be in Christ, not in ourselves. Look at our evil, wicked hearts, right? And actually, the more we are conformed to the image of Christ, the more our own self-esteem drops, as it should. He points out in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, being humble enough, Paul was humble enough to see that he was the least of all the apostles. Even though the Lord used him mightily, right? And we can remember, uh, what is it, Second Corinthians 12. The Lord let him have the thorn in his side, wouldn't take it away. His grace is sufficient but to keep him humble. Because he had had such amazing experiences. And the Lord had used him so much. And then also, very close to his death, Paul said, I am the worst of sinners, First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15. I don't think any of us are going to try to argue that Paul, you know, wasn't growing in grace. But the more he knew Christ, and the more he knew himself in relation to Christ, we just more and more recognize how unworthy we are, and how glorious Christ is. Okay, he says Paul makes this clear in 1 Corinthians 10:12 Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. We've looked at that already and he writes this God wants to warn us against the propensity toward evil that is within us even when we have received him. Now that's what we're looking at, right? Trusting that we've received the Lord, and yet we need to recognize the propensity toward evil because of our own evil hearts. And that's the main thing we need to pray against when we pray, deliver us from evil. Deliver me from the evil of my own heart. Yes, Rachel, can you take the mic so we can hear you? Please, who's got the mic? Uh... Thanks, hon. Um, it reminds me of a short story that I'm reading this week um, and it's not a Christian it's by Neil Gaiman um, but it's about this man who comes into hell and a demon's there and he's like alright right, you're going. I'm going to show you every single sin you've ever done in your whole entire life and it like almost destroys him he's like all right we're done now right and he's like nope now we're going to show you how every single sin affected everybody else in your life and he's like all right now we're done right and he's like nope now we're going to show you how everything of all those consequences affect people you didn't even know in your life and like he just goes more and more layers of how his sins throughout his whole life affected people he didn't even know Thanks for sharing. That's sobering. I'm almost finding myself like I'm going to go crawl outside and hide behind a bush right now. That is striking. Thank you. That's that's really getting at what we're looking at. Thank you. Uh, now I'm going to read uh, from another chapter, just two quick quotes from R. Kent Hughes. And by the way, you've heard me, um, uh, we have a I think I've quoted him in different times, but uh, I used him as a supplemental book when we were studying Richard Phillips years ago on masculine manhood and the men's studies. I also brought a lot from his book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines of a Godly Man, I think it is, something like that. And he has a similar one, I think, either he or his wife wrote for ladies. But um, uh, anyways, uh, he, he writes in this article called Deliverance from the Evil One, And so we're going to go back to that for other parts of the study. But he does write this. The biblical doctrine of depravity. That's the T in tulip, right, of Calvinism. The biblical doctrine of depravity means that every part of the human person is tainted by sin. This doesn't mean that all humans are equally depraved in their depth. Most don't go near the depths of sin to which they could go. As John Gerstner once said, there's always room for deprovement, And we want improvement, but there's always room for deprovement, And that's what Satan's looking to do. We need to recognize we can always get worse. We have the capacity in every place of our body and soul to get worse. We have the natural inclination to get worse. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He may not be able to uh, uh, keep us from being truly saved and Christians, but he wants us to be horrible Christians. He wants us to have a horrible life and not an abundant life. He wants to ruin our time here on earth and uh, make a mockery of Christ and Christianity. And he can help us deprove. And we need to recognize because of total depravity and that old man still there, um, we can easily deprove, or sometimes it's referred to as backsliding. Right? Um, okay. Uh, the last thing I'm going to read is from Kent Hughes as well. Again, in his article, "Deliverance from the Evil One." Man is radically dead, and he can be. And he's, he's referring to Ephesians two four to five. We looked at that in our sermon that came out of Deuteronomy, and uh, clearly. Uh, God chooses and loves and saves his elect. We're all dead, right? Uh, man is radically dead, and he can be saved only by the radicalness of resurrection. I want to read that again. Man is radically dead and he can be saved only by the radicalness of resurrection. Because we are totally depraved, because we are dead in trespasses and sins, we need Christ to raise us from the dead by the work of the Holy Spirit and make us begin to be pure of heart and holy and to grow in those things. It's true to be born again, the Greek, literally, "anatheo," born from above. But it's also true that we would be growing and, uh, you know, feeding on the word of God and not just on milk but on meat, right? Those things that are said in the scriptures. That every word of God would be our food and how we survive. And we need the Holy Spirit to do this. But resurrection is our answer. And we need to recognize that comes from God, We don't born again ourselves, we don't raise ourselves from the dead, we won't raise ourselves from the grave, and again, sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. Certainly we are called to cooperate and respond and bear his fruits and not grieve or quench him, but we cannot do it without him, we will not do it without him, left to ourselves, we will leave ourselves to Satan and the world, and we will sin. So we pray to God, deliver us from evil. We express our entire dependence on God and Jesus to resurrect us, to revive us, to reform us, and that it doesn't happen any other way. And so we have to remember to pray for that. Let's do that now, beloved. Our Father, which art in heaven, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for your wonderful listening and contributions this evening. The Lord bless you this week. Don't forget to keep praying for Mr. Raglan and the family, especially, and Eleanor. And uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll see you back. I was going to say we'll see you back this Lord's Day. But uh, yeah, I don't want to forget again, you guys gave me some stern looks when I almost forgot that it's this Friday is the ice cream social. <laughs> so in just two days all right not tomorrow night but the next i'll see you lord willing back here for our ice cream social all right have a good night